Father in heaven, thank you for your word and the truth that is found in your word. God, your, your precious and perfect word is sufficient for teaching, for guiding, for reproof, for rebuke, for encouragement, for strength, for comfort, for challenge and conviction. God, all these things are possible through Holy Spirit, you moving through the reading and the application of your holy word. So, God, I, I pray this morning, as, as I often do, Lord, this church prays with me. I know that you would get me out of your way. Lord, we long to hear a message from you this morning. We long to glean from the wisdom of your word, not from the, the foolish ramblings of some silly preacher. So, Lord, would you speak? Think with my mind, speak with my mouth. May the meditations of my heart be true and accurate to your word. May your words flow forward and mine be stopped, Father. We ask, God, that you would move now to teach us and that you would add the richest blessing of your spirit and your power to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Church, if you have your Bible with you, I hope that you do. Please take it and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. If you don't happen to have your own copy of God's Word, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. Um, or if you don't have one at home that is your own, just take that one home with you. It'll be our pleasure to replenish it and just count that as a gift to you and to your family. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians. You make your way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts and Romans. First and Second Corinthians, the General Electric Power Cooperative, and then you get to all the T's. And this is the first of the T's, First Thessalonians. We're going to pick up where we left off. We'll read from chapter 2, verse 17, through the end of chapter 3, which is verse 13. Whether you're following along on the screens or accessing a printed or digital copy, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word? And let's look together now at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. The word of the Lord says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person but, but not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our joy and glory. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you 
and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we all do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we have been walking through 1 Thessalonians, this letter is very different from when we walked through the letter that Paul writes to the Galatians. And I don't know if you picked up on it, but the section that we just read, the part that we've just entered into, really highlights the special relationship that Paul has with this church at Thessalonica. There is a love and a mutual appreciation, a friendship, a brotherhood and a sisterhood that is shared by Paul and this church in an incredible and moving way. So Paul goes to the city of Thessalonica. He goes there to plant churches and share the gospel. He follows his normal routines, his normal rituals. And we're not 100% sure of what happens. But there is some serious affliction. There is some serious persecution. There is something that happens that forces Paul to leave Thessalonica. That's where we began in verse 17. Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart. So in the physical sense, Paul is torn away. And, and this, this word torn is in every sense of the word to tear, to shred, to rip apart. Paul doesn't use this word flippantly. We've, we've talked numerous times already as we've looked through 1 Thessalonians, and it's easy for us in our methods of communication today, especially in the South, to think that a lot of what Paul has to say is just empty flattery, right? A lot of what we read in here is just Paul buttering the, Thessalon the Thessalonians up, the church in Thessalonica, buttering them up for some big request later down the road, or just saying nice, flattering things to maybe win over their favor. Because isn't that what we always seem to run into in text messages, in phone calls? Have you ever had that friend that called you up out of nowhere and said, hey, can you do such and such for me? Hey, you still got your truck. Isn't that a great question? You answer the phone. Hey, man, how you doing? Your truck's still working. You still got that truck. Man, that is so great. I got a sleeper sofa and a couple pianos that I got to get moved from one side of town to to the other. Are you busy in about half an hour? Isn't it great? And you hadn't talked to this person in years, right? And they just, every time they reach out to you, no subtleties, no, hey, how you doing? Straight into, this is what I need. It, doesn't that just automatically make us go, hey, you could, couldn't even ask how I'm doing? My mama's in the hospital. You didn't even know my mom was in the hospital? Before you asked for my truck, you can't even ask how my mom's doing? And sometimes, isn't, isn't that honest? 
that we go straight into what we want to ask of people because we really don't know what's going on in their life and we really don't care. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, we go straight into what can you do for me because we really don't care what's going on in that person's life. That's not the case with the Apostle Paul. You don't waste ink and parchment when Paul's writing. You don't just say empty words of flattery. Over and over again, Paul says these things because this is his heart for this church. Because even in the midst of all of that affliction, they stayed true to the gospel. Every other church that he goes to, somebody comes in behind him and says, well, it's faith plus all this other stuff. And the Thessalonians never fall for that. In the midst of terrible struggles, in the midst of being blackballed by all the guilds and all the associations and all the unions and not having work, these people stayed true to the real gospel that Paul taught. And so he's with them in heart, but not in person. He didn't get to stay there anywhere near as close to the amount of time as he wanted. So then he tries harder and harder to get back to see them face to face. I feel like we can relate to this letter and we can relate to Paul's sentiment all the more now on, on where we are from where COVID started. I don't, I don't know, this is going to sound silly to you guys, but I don't know if I can fully explain how moving it was for me when some church members put together after we hadn't been face to face and I've been preaching to an empty room for a couple months while it's just the, the bare minimum of people necessary to make the service happen. And somebody got a bunch of people to take pictures. And, you know, more than, more than not, everybody sits about in the same spot. And when I got here that morning to pray over the pews and to pray over the day to come, and, and I looked around and I saw everybody's picture, these big 11 by 17 pictures of all of you sitting where you normally sit. I, I, I was brought, all that the Lord brought to my heart and my mind as I studied this week because Paul longed to see his church face to face. He was there in heart. He was there in spirit. But he, it was, there's just something special. There's some connection that happens when we gather together face to face. And I just find it sad that it, it's harder than ever to do that now. And more so than ever, people that really don't long to see the rest of our church face to face are bubbling to the surface There are those that have genuine, very valid medical and family and other reasons why they can't be at church. But what COVID has done, not just in Bethany, but all across every denomination, is that those who don't really care, they really haven't come back. They've stopped showing up. It's it's too easy. It's too convenient to maybe just watch it online. It's it's almost the same. I mean, it's you're kind of seeing everybody. You can kind of sing along at home. And man, our our technology team does a great job making this available online. But I'm telling you, all the way back to Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, there is something special about seeing your church face to face. And I think one of the things that COVID has revealed to us is that there are a lot of people that really and truly were sending that text just to get exactly what they wanted, and they don't really care otherwise. And I wonder, as we think about our own lives, how how has that affected us? How has COVID affected our desire to see our church family face to face? Do we have the same longing and desire to be here, gathered together face to face as we did when maybe we missed out on some family get-togethers over the holidays last year? 
man, this time last year, that Delta variant was going crazy, right? I didn't even get to get together with uh, my family on Christmas. We had to wait until like New Year's. It was, it was all sorts of craziness that was going on with my side of the family. And I remember going through Christmas and it just, uh, it, it just something felt missing. It, it just, there was a hole in my heart. And then when we got back together on January, there was something so special and so powerful about it. But why does it take something like COVID and and us being separated to feel that longing that Paul felt? To feel that desire to gather together and be face to face? I want you to know that the Sundays that I have to be gone from here, I miss you guys. You can ask all the students that were with us on the fall retreat. I couldn't make it through the service time without pulling it up online and going, how's our church doing? How's our people? I wonder how it's going with Heath giving his testimony. I wonder how it's going with Jason. I know he's going to lead us through Psalm 103. Gosh, I I wish I could be there and listen and what's going on. Because what Paul felt about the Thessalonian church, believe it or not, Bethany, I, I feel that about you guys. I long and desire to be up here to be with you, even if I'm not the one preaching, to be here, to sit among you, to to see how you're doing, to see how your family's doing. It's the privilege and honor of my life to be able to pray with you and serve you as your pastor. And sometimes I wonder how much of us, how many of us have just allowed church to become this superficial thing. We're seeing each other face to face, genuinely praying for one another is just something we do in passing. It's become flattery. It's become what we're supposed to say. I'm praying for you. Listen, I'm terrible about it. If I say I'm praying for you, I'm going to stop and pray right then. We were driving back from Birmingham last night, and there were some people that reached out to us, and we, we, I told Jessica, I handed her my phone, and said, text them back, and while you're typing, we're going to pray. And so I promise you, if you get a text from me that says I'm praying for you, I'm probably praying while I'm typing that text. But how many of us, that's, it's just, yeah, man, I hate that's happening. I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Oh, yeah, golly, I know that's tough. Yeah, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And you never think about it again. Paul goes even further. Satan has hindered him in some way from getting to the church. He wants to. He desires to. And I'm not sure how that works, but I know that Paul has this plan in his mind. And we see it in other places in Acts where he wants to go one way. He wants to go this way. And the Holy Spirit leads him another way. And then we also see that he wants to go back to Thessalonica, but the adversary, our enemy, Satan, spiritual warfare, which is real. Satan is holding Paul back from being able to get to Thessalonica. But then look at verse 19. For what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Man, verse 20, Paul says, for you are our glory and joy. How many of us can say that honestly about our church, about the relationships that we have with our church family? What is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting at the Lord Jesus' coming? What is it? Man, Jesus, let me tell you what, I've got a hope and a joy and a glory. And I'm going to tell you about when I was a senior in high school, okay, our football team did the most amazing thing. It was the biggest underdog story. We came back from behind. It was amazing. Everybody in town still talks about it. When we stand before Jesus at his coming, is that going to be our glory? You don't understand, Jesus. I was Mr. or Mrs. Cool in high school. 
Or maybe high school wasn't the best for me. I didn't peak at high school. But let me tell you about my college years. But he, <coughs> excuse me, I was somebody in college. Everybody still talks about all the cool stuff that I did when I was in college. Let me tell you about this promotion I got. Do you understand that I was a vice president? They made me CEO, Jesus. I was running the company. Let me tell you about how much money I made, Jesus. Boy, I was raking in the dough. Boy, we had it made. Do you know how much we gave to the Light of Moon Christmas offering every year, Lord Jesus? It's just a fraction because we had plenty to go around. Is that going to be our hope? Is that going to be our joy? Is that going to be our crown and of boasting before the Lord? Do you know who I got married to? Did you see my family? Do you know how prominent we were in the community? Do you know how many girlfriends I had? How many boyfriends I had? Do you know how pretty and beautiful I looked? Do you know how everybody said how handsome I was? What's your joy? What's your glory? What are you going to tell Jesus at his coming? So many people expected for the Messiah to show up. And even Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He was a Hebrew among Hebrews. And when Jesus showed up at his first coming, and when Jesus comes back at his second coming, Paul's not going to stand there, and he's not going to say to Jesus, a little baby manger in, the, in a manger in the crib, they're going, man, Jesus, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I studied under Gamaliel. I was a part of the leading group of the Sanhedrin. you got to understand, Jesus, I was devout for you, and look how hard I worked. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says he counts all of that as trash, all of it as rubbish, worthless, absolutely worthless. And so in second, in 1 Thessalonians here in chapter 2, we find out Paul doesn't care about that pedigree. Paul doesn't care about how hard he worked in Jewish society. Paul's not going to take that before the Lord and look at, look at this, Lord. Look at what I've done. Man, I love John Piper's story about those seashells, and I've shared it from here before, but even in retirement, people who are retired, your glory and your joy is not all the work that you put in. If you were 35 years teaching or, or 40 years with some company, that is awesome. Your loyalty, your hard work, your work ethic, your steadfastness with that company, that's amazing. But what are you going to do when you stand before the Lord? Show Him those years of work? Is that going to be your joy? Is that going to be your glory? What are you going to say to the Lord when you stand before him? How did you use your retirement? Did you go and collect seashells? Are you going to stand before the Lord and say, Look, Lord, after I finished all that work, earning money and providing for my family, I collected some beautiful seashells. Aren't these gorgeous? Didn't I use my time wisely? Paul's hope, his joy, his crown of boasting, his glory was the church. Listen, my joy and my glory is, is right there. What happened this morning with Braxton, with Alyssa. I could go through so many other stories of so many of you that have come and sat in my office that I got to be just a small, tiny, little grain of sand part of your story of coming to know Jesus. And by God's grace, he allowed that to happen through this fellowship. Because so many of you are Sunday school teachers that are teaching these kids about Jesus. And when you stand before the Lord, you can point to Braxton and Alyssa and say, I helped teach them in Sunday school. My church was my joy and my hope and my glory because I was there face to face. 
And when so-and-so went through that divorce, I went and sat with them that night. And when we found out that so-and-so was diagnosed with cancer, I went and I wept with them and I prayed with them. And we walked with them all the way to the end of their life. And what a testimony they had, Lord. That's my joy. That's my glory that I stood side by side with them. That I was with them face to face until the bitter end. My joy and my glory is that there were families that should have been ripped apart, but because your spirit, Lord, moved in this church, they stayed together. There was redemption. There was reconciliation. There was hope. And it was in God's church. Folks, I I think that one of the most terrible side effects of all this COVID has been, for some reason, we've forgotten that. For some reason, our joy and our hope and our glory has been pulled from our focus. And we don't attend as often as we were attending. We don't participate as often as we were participating. There's a lot going on. And life is hard. It's harder than it's been in a long time. There's tornadoes ripping through four states at one time. There's all sorts of tragedies, another variant coming through, all sorts of people getting sick again, everybody getting scared again. I know it's tough, but the church in Thessalonica experienced affliction as well. And it brought them closer together. It didn't tear them apart and create divisions among them. It brought them closer together. And when you get into chapter 3, Paul says he could bear it no longer. He didn't know how they were going on, how things were going on. He couldn't check their Facebook status. He had no idea what was happening. So he sends Timothy. And then he gets this report back in in verse 6. Timothy has brought us the good news of your faith and your love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as well, just like we long to see you. And then down in verse 12, he says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Folks, this Christmas season, even in the midst of parents getting sick, of grandparents getting sick, of people having heart attacks, of people getting COVID, of all the negative news that we hear nonstop that is berating us everywhere that we look. Remember the church in Thessalonica. They had it just as bad as we did. And it brought them closer together. If Paul were to send Timothy to Bethany Baptist Church, if we existed in that time, what's the report that you think in your heart, just between you and the Lord, what report do you think that Timothy would take back to Paul from us? If Paul were to send Timothy to us, and Timothy were to go back to Paul, what would Timothy report about Bethany? Would it be similar to what he reported about Thessalonica? The good news of faith and love, of remembering the church, of gathering, being face to face. Or would Timothy report back, well, I mean, some of them get together sometimes and and they seem to put on a good show and act like they like one another. But Paul, I just couldn't tell if it was genuine. Paul, they just, they had so many other priorities. They had so many other things that ranked above the gathering, that ranked above living life together and pouring into one another. I'm just not sure. 
How do you think that Timothy would report on us? And may our prayer this morning be that no matter what's going on in the world around us, no matter how hard things may seem, may God increase our love for one another. May the Lord make us increase and abound in love for one another. Church, it's just a simple question this morning. The Apostle Paul had the church as his joy and his glory. What's your joy and glory? Jesus came once as a tiny baby. That's the whole reason for the season. But he's coming again as a conquering king. And when we stand before him and present to him what we're most proud of in life, what brought us the most joy in life, what we consider to be the most glorious thing in our life, Will it be the relationships and the faith that was built up in our church? Or will it be something else superficial that will pass away in a blink of an eye? This morning, what is your joy and what is your glory? This Christmas season, what is your crown of boasting? Where is your focus? Where is my focus? Let us all answer this question together and pray in one heart, that the Lord may make us to increase and abound in love for one another. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your love and your mercy towards us. God, there are so many times in my life that I get distracted, that your church, that your kingdom, that your gospel is not my joy and my glory. And my, my eyes are so easily turned this way and that. Father, I just want to repent this morning and ask for your forgiveness. I want you to help us as a church, Holy Spirit, to find our truest joy and to see the glory in the relationships that we build here at church. In brothers and sisters, in walking through this life with one another, not in some superficial sense, Lord, but in the truest way to build one another up, to spur one another on to good works, to walk with each other on the mountaintops and celebrate your goodness and to walk through the darkest of valleys together. Together, Lord. That we might find joy and hope and a crown of boasting and glory and your Holy Spirit working through us as one church family, as a small part of your body. God, we ask that you would help us to remember these things and focus on the true joy and glory of this season and of you coming to be born of a virgin and live a perfect life, that you might die our death, be raised so that we can all have hope of resurrection if we have faith in you. God, we ask that you would move during this time and that your Holy Spirit might stir our hearts and we might respond in obedience. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.